0: Morning Sanctus Church. Good morning. Oh, come on, come on. Good morning, Sanctus Church. Good morning. Good morning. So glad that you're here today. Whether you're at this site or another one, uh, I was in Edmonton last week. I was speaking to a whole group of young adults, encouraging them. To continue to grow in their faith and wrestle out the questions of faith. And I thought I was suffering very well for Jesus in Edmonton. It was minus 25. With Windchill, it was minus 35. So I thought I was really doing well for Christ. And then I start getting reports of what was taking place back here last weekend. So, Saturday, there's suddenly Noah's flood takes place in the GTA, and the Ajax site almost floods out. You don't know this. This site almost flooded out, and some of our staff were able to save the site. And then it turns to ice, and we shut down Port Perry, and then there's a nuclear alert going on. I said, you know, like, what in the world? And then Dave is sick and losing his voice. And I said, God, I just left for one weekend. Like, the judgment of God is upon our church. Like, what's taking place? Anyway, I'm back. I have no clue if that's going to make a difference at all. But um, (laughs) great to be here. Now, welcome to week two in this mini-series on marriage called Together. And again, when the Holy Spirit asked us to do this series, it was just to encourage, to strengthen, and to celebrate marriage, whether you're single, single again, or married. this is just a gathering where we're like, we're so excited to see this part of God's design that some of us are called to. Now, Dave and I have been talking about this. We're excited to launch the marriage course and this becomes another tool in our tool belt alongside of Freedom Sessions, the Alpha Course, Releasing Prayer, and our Connect Groups. This is a way we can continually connect small as a community and also improve our walk with Jesus together. And this is also something we can replicate as we continue to go to do, to new sites. Now, just a little background. Uh, this experience, this course, comes from the same church uh, and the same community that the Alpha course comes from. Uh, it was begun somewhere in 1985 uh, and then filmed in 2005, went global, which is absolutely incredible. It's been translated into 45 languages used in 127 countries, and one million couples have already taken this course. Isn't that incredible? That the global Global impact of this. And like all things, including the Alpha course itself, uh, the team at at HTB started saying, we probably need to update the marriage course, bring it now to uh, 2019, 2020. And so they've just finished uh, filming that. Most of that was done in Vancouver, by the way, which is amazing. And uh, so it's good to be on home soil that way. And so today, we're so excited because we're helping launch the marriage course globally. This month, it goes global all around the. The world once again, and we're so excited because Nikki and Sela Lee, who are the founders of this, are here. So let's give them a huge Sanctus uh, welcome. <laughs> So welcome. Welcome to Canada. You guys are saying you've had your first real Canadian mm, in the oh, last few days. Oh my
1: goodness. It was just so exciting for us to arrive and then discover we're in the big snowstorm of the year so far. Excellent. We were, we were shoveling snow with Dave and Jen wow. in their yard last night and I'm sending photos and videos to our kids saying look what we're doing.
0: Yes. We're so glad you're excited. All <laughs> of us. I can imagine,
2: John, by the 20th time, it begins to wear off.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, we're so glad you're here. Welcome to Canada. Welcome to Sanctus Church. Thank you. On behalf of the global church, thank you for your leadership in the church. We're just, we're so thankful for what God has asked you to do. Uh, First thing, as we were chatting, getting to know each other, I think our whole community would love to know, how did both of you come to meet Jesus in a personal way? What was, what happened? Okay, okay.
1: So I'll just give you the background. was Nick and I met when we were very young. I was just 17. he was 18, teenagers. We spent two weeks together on holiday in next-door holiday cottages and fell madly in love. We were uh, not Christians. I, I had a
2: full head of hair then.: <laughs> And a car. So those two things may have helped.: in
1: <laughs> And um, anyway, we discovered the feelings were mutual, started going out, very young, and, um, and we got married four years later. Uh, Uh, And Nikki will tell a bit about coming to faith in the middle, and then we've been married for 43 years, and we have four children—a daughter and three sons—and nine grandchildren, which is the biggest blessing because you get all the fun and none of the The
2: responsibility.
0: responsibility.
1: (laughs) Yeah,
2: (laughs) we we came from uh, families which didn't—we weren't church-going. We didn't grow up as Christians, and it was when uh, I went up to Cambridge University. I met a Christian, and I started to have these conversations with him about what a personal relationship with Jesus was about. And I was intrigued. I was fascinated. I'd never heard anything like this before. But I kept this very much from Scylla, because uh, she's much quicker at getting to conclusions than me. And I didn't want her jumping to conclusions before I'd really thought it through. I, I knew this would have you know, quite a big impact on our relationship if we became Christians. I also kept my sort of private investigation from my best friend, Nicky Gumble, who was in the next door rooms to me. We'd been friends at school. And I kept it from him because uh, Nicky was an atheist. And he'd said to me on about the second day when we went up to university, if any Christians come to the door, don't let them in. If you let them in, you won't be able to get rid of them. So I didn't want to admit to him I was already forming this friendship with a Christian. Anyway, about six months later, I got to the point where I thought, I think this is true. It all begins to make sense to me, but I wasn't ready to make a commitment until Scylla heard about it too. So I I dragged her along to a talk. What had taken me six months took Scylla 24 hours, and it was the same night, February the 14th, uh, 1974, we both gave our lives to Jesus.
0: Wow, amazing, An amazing story. And, <laughs> and, and so we just need to pause here for a moment because uh, we've been running the Alpha Course here since yes. 2000. Uh, thousands of people have taken Alpha through this church, hundreds have come to faith, and uh, we, most of us know who Nicky Gumbel is through the Alpha world. Uh, so you're his roommate, he's a militant atheist, yes. Uh, you become a Christian, you, you become yes. a Christian, are you the other Nikki that goes, tells this Nicky? Tell, tell, how many yeah. Nickys are there? I'm what? confused. <laughs> there were
2: five of us oh my goodness. who were okay. great friends at university okay. together. And Nicholas was obviously a popular name in the year that I was born. Anyway, when, we, when we'd given our lives to Jesus, we were so excited. For me, this was the culmination of six months uh, of sort of, you know... Investigating, and we couldn't wait to tell Nikki, my best friend, just that what we'd done. Nikki was horrified. <laughs> For him, it was like we'd been got by some cult or other. And Nikki has always been the kindest man. And he wanted to rescue us. And he thought to rescue us, he'd better do some reading to persuade us you know, you've got to keep your mind open, you can't, you can't commit to something. So that night, when we'd become Christians, he started reading the Bible in order to persuade us not to be Christians. But in the process, 48 hours later, he gave his life to Jesus. Wow, incredible, amazing, Amazing. totally, totally amazing. If anybody, if he ever says I led him to
0: Jesus, it was entirely unintentionally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And now you you are connected still on staff at Holy Trinity, Brompton in in England, where Nikki is. How did you end up in the same church? I, were you all suddenly we're all going to be pastors? Like <laughs> um,
1: after university in 1976, we got married. And we all came to London. Nikki came and lots of other of our friends. And we were looking for a church. Nicky found Holy Trinity Brompton HDB. It was very near where he lived. And there was a wonderful man there who was... A leader, he was a a pastor there, and we realized... Sandy Miller was the name of the senior pastor. He was a visionary, he was passionate about the ministry of the Spirit, and we were all 20-somethings, and we just got behind him and got so excited at what God was doing. And then... um, just to cut a long story short, we then felt called by God to be ordained, Nicky to be ordained, Nikki to be ordained and, um, and he got ordained in 1985. So we'd been involved as lay people in the church and very exciting times seeing growth and everything and then came back in 85 and Nikki was ordained and we've been on the staff there ever since.
2: And just to say when we, when we first joined, when we were just part of the congregation,
1: uh, John Wimber, came to HTB and there was an the ex- vineyard pastor from California
2: and there was an extraordinary move of the spirit and what happened when John Wimber was with us then formed the basis of the alpha weekend on the holy spirit we we already had a theology of the spirit having the spirit at the center of what we were doing but John Wimber gave us a a model of how to pray for people to be filled with the
1: spirit And and one other thing, just to say, when we came on the staff, there was only about six staff, eight staff, and we were asked, amongst other things, to run Alpha, which we did in our home with 27 people, the only Alpha course running anywhere, and also to do the pre-marriage preparation for um, the three couples getting married in the church. So they started in our home, and we were just doing that for the church.
0: Wow. Wow. And so uh, you're there at the beginning of Nikki Gumbel's conversion. You're all brought together by the sovereignty of God to HDB. HDB experiences a historic, basically, renewal and revival. And the Alpha courses started. And then this marriage course begins to form. Where did it come from? Why was it needed? Was it with the three couples? Was that the beginning? Yeah,
1: totally. That's where we started. And, And can I say that we ran Alpha for five years. Then Nikki Gumbel came on the staff a year after us. Uh, he was ordained, Nikki and his wife Pippa, and then we handed on Alpha to Nikki and Pippa, and then we um, were then running these marriage courses. So we started with the pre-marriage and five sessions and with a few couples in our home. It started to grow. It was very practical stuff. We were speaking out of nine years experience of our own marriage, the things that had really, really helped us, you know, about communication, making time, all these things. And people started inviting their friends, but people who were not churchgoers, and the, the course grew and grew, and we realized was meeting a really felt need, not only in the church, but out in the community, and now we run the pre-marriage course three times a year in, in our church, and we have at, at least, well, about 160 couples every time we run it, and up to half of those couples we would be from right outside the church do you want to say about the marriage course then well, how that came about
2: we've we, been running pre-marriage Silla said we started in 1985 and we, we kept thinking you know these couples most of them were infatuated they were in love they were wearing these rose-tinted glasses and when we talked about resolving conflict which of course is an important part of marriage <laughs> You could see the look on these couples. They'd think, conflict? No, 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 we're not gonna have conflict, we're in love. And then they'd start looking around the room at the other couples, saying, perhaps that couple, it might be important for them. But we knew, sooner or later, every one of these couples, they were gonna need to understand how do you work through your, your differences. And so, it was because we wanted to follow them up. We started the marriage course in 1996, Originally we intended it for couples in their first five years of marriage, but very quickly we got couples who've been married for ten years, twenty years, forty years. Actually the longest couple, I think, been married for sixty-three years. Wow. And the feedback from all of these couples was this is really helpful and in some cases transformational in their relationship. And just like the, you know, it, it moved outside the church, we got loads of couples who were not church girls, nothing to do with
0: the church, but they
2: wanted to come to invest in their marriage. And it was just the, the word was going out. People so
0: so walk us through. We're a community that's about to launch this. Most people in our community don't really know extensively what the marriage course mm-hmm. is. So walk us through it. Tell us about the sessions. Mm-hmm. Tell us what you walk through. Tell us about the biblical roots of why you're doing this and why this isn't just another program, but there's something deeper going on here.
1: So as John says, it's based on biblical principles uh, for loving and for living and yet it is very, very practical. And um, I'll talk you through the sessions, but just to say that what we realized, and this is what happened with Alpha too, and what Nikki Gumbel did with Alpha. We we started really um, putting together the material I mean, we put together the material. Then, when a lot of people who were coming from outside the church started coming, we realized we needed to make it very accessible for them. And that's how the the material um, now is presented. So we speak just very briefly from a a couple of times about how our faith makes a difference in our marriage. But by and large, everything would be totally relevant, totally accessible to people who are not... Church goes, not Christians, wouldn't call themselves um, anybody of faith. And so the kind of topics that we're covering are the first session we call Strengthening Connection. We look at um, making time, prioritizing time together and um, meeting each other's needs. We have then communication, foundational for any um, healthy relationship. Then the resolving conflict, looking at differences and lots of other things. Then the heart of the course is the power of forgiveness and that really is the most challenging part, but the most transformational part. Then the next session is uh, the impact of family, because that's big, both past and present, how to navigate that. Then good sex, and we put it there for a very important reason. Everything that has been um, spoken about before builds on the last session, the previous one, and so actually we left good sex to that point, because everything else impacts whether and how our sexual relationship is happening. And then the final session, which is the most upbeat, great session, is um, called Love in Action. And this is based on the amazing five love languages. And Gary Chapman, who's a hero of ours, um, is it put together this extraordinary concept. And it's very, very um, impactful to the couples as the final session.
2: And as sort of said, we were seeking to help Christians to build everything we understood as Christians. What is important in marriage, and it sort of took us by surprise when people from outside came and just felt very uh, felt that this was very helpful to them, and and so it's you know biblical principles like the importance of listening uh, in in marriage. I think it's not so much always agreement that's so important. It's not whether we agree. We will, all of us as couples, disagree. But it's understanding, understanding each other, where each other is coming from. And I think in a marriage, when we feel understood, then we're ready to make compromises, to work out a way together. And that's why communication is so early on. But even before that, Silla said, right at the beginning, this making time for our marriage and for each other. Uh, when we were first married, Silla and I didn't have any pre-marriage help or mm. counselling, anything like that. But we, we went away on a weekend, a year into marriage, and the single most important thing we got from an older married couple was have a date night every week. And we weren't doing that our lives were busy we we're involved in the church socializing a lot with our work and everything else but we started to do that every week not always in the evening but usually in the evening we'd set aside time just for us to do something that was fun together to have a break from the routine however, always busy around
1: our... a meal we like our food <laughs>
2: yes and however busy we were having this time in the week where we could reconnect if started to drift apart where it kept the romance the fun the love and the communication alive in our marriage and I, th- I think we could say that is the single most important thing that we have done over 43 years of marriage every week setting aside a date night now maybe the odd week where we haven't managed it but by and large that has been a weekly rhythm. And so we... was that your date night last night? Shoveling
0: together was that? <laughs> does that
1: count? But that is like fun, isn't it? No. Well, you might not think it's fun. No, <laughs> no, no. Sorry, I'll take that back. No, no. Last week we had our date night, and it was a Christmas present from our kids who'd bought us theatre tickets. And I can honestly tell you, we were was was s- this week,
2: darling. Oh, oh this it was this week.
1: on week. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes, this week it was. This week. Yeah. And um, you know, we were crazy busy about to come here and do this traveling, and we thought, oh, going to the... It was so brilliant, and it did exactly what Nikki's just said. We needed to stop, we needed to reconnect, we needed to relax, we needed to talk about something other than the trip we're going on and all the stuff we've got to get together, and that's the power of setting aside time together, and we know the benefits when we
0: do that. Now, you said the heart of the course, the hardest part... The most critical part, the most transformational part, mm. is forgiveness. Mm, yeah. um, can you can you just stop pastorally for our whole church right now, and begin to unpack that a little bit? Mm. Yeah. Can I you know, start? No, can I start? Down? Okay, you yeah. start. <laughs> <laughs> we mm. we try to it's
2: disagree dangerous. when we we're in public. It's dangerous. It's very dangerous. <laughs> both of us <laughs> having
1: a microphone. Yeah. <laughs> um,
2: it, it is significant that that this is session four, which is right in the middle of the course, and as Scylla said, for many couples, the hardest part, but, but we talk about a threefold process, which every couple needs to have at the heart of their marriage, because in every marriage, inevitably, we will hurt each other, and a lot of that hurt won't be intentional, and sometimes we won't even be aware that we have done it. But This process is we need to talk about hurt. We need to tell our partner when they have upset us or hurt us, and and speaking personally, that doesn't come naturally to me. I would tend to bury it. I'd try to deal with it on my own, but I've discovered that doesn't work. I have to tell Scylla, and actually, that's an important biblical principle. The Bible says if if, uh, you have offended your brother or sister, in this case your husband or wife, your partner, go and tell them. But equally, the Bible says, if your brother has offended you, in this case your marriage partner has offended you, tell them, talk about it. So we need to bring this stuff out into the open, to talk about it. And that's the first part of the process. The second part of the process is to apologize. To say, oh, I'm so sorry. Maybe we didn't intend to do it, but that's essential. And then the third and most important part of all, the most challenging part, is to forgive. And, you know, forgiveness lies right at the heart of the New Testament. As Paul tells us in his letters a number of times, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And as we receive forgiveness from God, so we are to give forgiveness to uh, each other. And this, we talk about this, this flow of forgiveness. We're receiving this forgiveness from God, and we must let it flow first and foremost to the person we're closest to, to our marriage partner. And of course, it's right there in the, in the Lord's Prayer. I, I don't know whether you have a practice of it. We, we try to say the Lord's Prayer every day. And whenever we get to that part, Lord, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. We have to stop and think, do I need to forgive my husband or wife for something?
1: And just to kind of earth that in very practical reality, it's great talking about forgiveness, but what about doing it? I grew up in a, in a home where my parents were together for 52 years, and, but, I, I, you know, a normal, married, secure family but I didn't have a good model of saying sorry and forgiving. My family were not Christians. And that's actually something that we as a couple, if we have children, we can model one of the most powerful transformational, releasing, freeing practices to our kids because our kids are watching us, and that's how you learn. So I came into marriage not having had a model, I needed to learn about um, forgiving, and I can remember it was a year into our marriage when we had this big argument about money, and we were just about to go away for a special weekend, and I thought, right, I'm going to forget about that. I feel really hurt, but I'm going to forget about it, and try and pretend it hasn't happened. Of course, I couldn't, and it got worse and worse, and I was feeling full of all those negative emotions, resentment, and um, self-pity, that's a bad one. Self-pity when you feel hurt. And then, you know, Nick... And, and I had no
2: idea what was up. I could see that Scylla was upset. She, she'd she got into a mood as, when we were first married, that was the model she'd picked up from her, her parents, as to go into a mood. And when I asked her, what's the matter, all I got was nothing. She was just trying to, you know, cope with it. And... And not wasn't very nice. going very well, was no, it? No,
1: the weekend <laughs> was not going well. Our relationship wasn't in good shape. Our communication, because I was in a mood, and therefore our relationship was not in good shape. It was about 24 hours later that I just couldn't contain it any longer. And I just poured it all out to Nicky and told him why I felt hurt and upset and some of the things he'd said. Now, when he heard that, he was able to say sorry, because he he kind of understood, and, and I realized he understood. But it was at that point I knew I had to forgive him, out loud. And I had never done that, never. I'd never said out loud, I forgive you. So was kind of, and I'm not proud of this, through gritted teeth, I said, I forgive you. But I was just blown away by the difference that that made. And almost immediately, all those negative emotions, the resentment, the self-pity just left. And from that point onwards, we were able to then draw close to each other again, to be restored, to just be back into this place of freedom because the forgiveness and me having to choose to forgive. And I think that's the incredibly important thing about forgiveness. You know, we don't wait till we feel like forgiving. We have to choose to forgive.
2: And sometimes go on choosing for the same thing, where it's yeah. a deep hurt, you know, sometimes that needs to be on a on a daily basis, just choosing to forgive. And it's only as we choose to forgive, gradually the hurt and the power of those memories begin to uh, take less control over
1: us. And can I just say one more thing about forgiveness? And this is from our experience. I mean, that example I just gave you, it was over a trivial hurt. But we know from having seen thousands and thousands and thousands of couples and having heard stories from couples um, that actually where there is very big betrayal of trust, very big hurts, maybe infidelity, whatever, um, those breaking of trusts can be restored and it's restored through forgiveness, and we've seen marriages that looked like they were over and done and finished, but where, through very intentional seeking to restore it with forgiveness at the heart, those marriages have been transformed, and that is the most thrilling, powerful thing, and people who aren't even Christians can experience that. But what's amazing is they then usually need and want to discover the source of the love and the grace. And that's when people come to faith and we hear stories all from all around the world of people who come on the marriage course, they are not believers, but they want to know the source of the love that we're talking about, those biblical principles of loving. And so they start coming to church or they talk to their friends who are Christians and they come to know Jesus. And and that's
2: why we hold the marriage course and Alpha very close together. People go from the marriage course onto
0: Alpha. Yeah, you have a phrase that you use something like, is it like Alpha is like the porch or the front door and then the marriage course is like the street and it's just one to the next to the next?
2: Can I just tell a story, please, John? About um, this was a, a, a guy we met. Was it about a year ago? Um, called David. We never met him before, and uh, he uh, told this story of how he and his wife both came from broken families. They had no model of marriage growing up, and. They were engaged, and they wanted to give their marriage the very best chance. They weren't churchgoers at all. But they thought, um, maybe if we get married in a church, that will give our marriage a better chance. So, they go, they find a local church, and they say, will you marry us? And the church say, well, we'd love to, but we'd like you to do this pre-marriage course first. So, they're a bit surprised by that, but they said, okay, we'll do the pre-marriage course David and then his fiancee absolutely loved it because they realized they were learning stuff that they had never seen modeled to them as they were growing up. And it made a massive difference to their relationship. Then they get married in this church and then they go away on honeymoon. When they get back from honeymoon, David said, "Um, you know, it was uh, that course we did, the pre marriage course, was so helpful and it was so practical. I want to see what else this church has to offer." And he discovered they were running Alpha, so he goes on the Alpha course. His wife doesn't want to join him, but he goes on Alpha, and he comes to faith. He's filled with the Spirit. He is just so, he's just in love with Jesus, which is actually quite tricky for his wife to start with. And she says, you're just completely different. You're not the man I married. I've got to. And, and he says, Oh, oh no. D- am I loving you less than I did? And she says, No, no, no. You, you love me much more. It's just that you're a very different person. I've got to get used to this person now that I'm married to. Anyway, course of time, he starts to uh, help with Alpha, run Alpha, and he's just passionate about it, seeing people coming to Jesus. And uh, his wife hasn't come. And eventually, He's doing the Holy Spirit Day of the Alpha course, and uh, he says to her, would you just come and help me? I need a bit of practical help, whatever it was. She comes, and she is filled with the Spirit. She gives her life to Jesus, and now they are this wonderful Christian married couple making a difference in their church, in Amazing. their community. and. Those are the sort of stories that we hear, and that's why, as I said, we keep the marriage course and Alpha so close together, because, Zach, as you said, it's like these steps going up to the porch, and then Alpha takes them to the next, next, step, next level.
0: Yeah, just before we end, I so appreciate, because as I'm listing this story, I'm imagining lots of people going, my marriage is Okay. Uh, would this help me? My marriage is great. I don't need to go to that. And lots of people going, actually, my marriage, if some of some of us are married here, uh, actually is not good, and I don't think anything is going to help it. So can you speak to, I mean, you've spoken to the one audience, but can you speak to all three? Those who are doing great right now, those who are, it's boring and normal and eh, and then, and then oh my goodness, I think unless Jesus shows up, it's over.
1: Um, when we, when we set out with the marriage course and the pre-marriage course, we didn't know any of what we know now. So we were just responding step by step. And what we have seen happen at our church over 20 years is God has created what we would describe as a positive marriage culture. And we we what we've seen happen is and this it was so wonderful to see Chris your pastor on the um, on the video just encouraging you and saying he and his wife are going on the course because that's exactly what has happened at our church the from the leadership outwards everybody goes to the pre-marriage course if they're thinking about getting married or they're engaged to get married and then everybody comes on the marriage course and Nikki Gumbel talks about that all the time so that the culture in our churches everybody does the marriage course and the reason is because we all of us from the leadership outwards we all of us need to go on investing in our relationship there is never a point at which we've arrived we've got it sorted and we just cruise if that, if we do that we are in trouble because you know you can be in one of three positions in a marriage. You can either be moving apart or you can be on parallel lines, which is a very easy place to get into. You're not connected, but you're going on parallel lines, or you can be moving towards one another. And actually, the marriage course and what we in our church say is come and invest in your marriage to keep growing in your relationship. And so everybody in our church comes and does the marriage course. We encourage people to come after two years. So they do the pre-marriage course, then they come back after two years, because it's like prevention is better than cure. And don't wait till you're 10 years down the line and in a bit of a mess. But because we have that culture, we keep saying we welcome any and every couple, whatever your situation, whether you've been married six months, 60 years, and everything in between. And we see then that actually every couple who comes benefits in some way or another.
2: Can I just speak at the other end of the spectrum? As, as Chris was saying on that film, there is total privacy. Uh, as for the conversations. That's a very, very important part of the course. And when couples come on the marriage course, we, we have no idea of their situation. We don't ask them to tell us. They don't need to tell us at all. If they want extra help, of course, they can come and ask us for that. We may need to refer them on for more sort of specialist ongoing help. But, but we have couples who come on the course who've been separated and who come as a way of seeking to get back together and they just mix in with the other couples and no one knows that they, you know, they might have met at the church doors, come in. No one knows their situation.
1: Can I just say in parenthesis, so how we set up the course, it is not like a lecture or a course. It's an experience. And the experience is like going out on a date. So we set up our our church as like a restaurant. So we have lots and lots of tables for two. And I think Angela said, that's what's going to happen here. Lots of tables for two, like in a restaurant, low lighting, background music. And you come in and you are, ushered to a table for two and that's just you and your partner and that's it for the evening and it's in a really nice environment and it's totally private. So just that's the situation. And nobody comes and asks you, how long have you been married? How are you doing? Da, 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 da. Nobody has any feedback afterwards. Uh, I, I was rather hoping I'd set you up to tell the story oh, of Richard. yes. <laughs> <Sorry>. OK. <laughs> have I got time? Yes, yes, I have. So this is just the most lovely, lovely story. This is why we are so passionate about championing marriage and helping people at a practical level. Um, on a course that we were running in London, in our church in 2007, amongst 60 or 70 other couples, was a couple called Richard and Zoe. And they arrived, we didn't know anything about them, they they joined the course. And we discovered afterwards, because they told us, that they had been separated for nine months. They'd been married for three years, they had a little girl, Sophie, who was a year and a half, and they'd been separated. And a friend told them about the course. They came. I mean, Zoe said she didn't think Richard would come, but he agreed. They came on the course, so they were separated, but they met at the course, came. And after the second session on communication, that was the powerful one, because they had not communicated well at all. Anyway, they, they, um, they got together outside of the course and talked and talked. That opened the floodgates, really. And they decided, as a result of that, to actually get back together. They didn't tell anybody, but they got back together. And then at the end of the course, um, they, they came and talked to us about how things were totally changed and, and they felt equipped and transformed to go forwards together in their marriage. And we stayed in touch with them. And about um, a, a year later, they had another little girl. Um, and I can't remember her name now, Sophie and... Okay, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, And and then um, they said, Richard said to us, he said, you know, a year ago, before we came on the marriage course, I didn't think there was any future for our marriage and family. But now I know there is. And I don't know what it is, but I know that God is going to lead us. And now, 10 years, no more, 12 years later, we just, we've stayed in touch. They're now in California. He's a worship leader in a church there. And they sent us this beautiful photograph, which literally made us pour with tears, of their two children, Sophie and and Maya. And um, Sophie is 13, or yeah, 13, and Maya is 11. And they were on this beach. they just Um, said, we are just about to start running the marriage course in our church. And I just thought, that's the impact of one marriage saved. The ripples go out and out and out, not only for the couple, not only for their children, not only for their family and friends, but their community and ultimately society. That's the impact of turning the tide on one marriage and seeing it restored, redeemed, and being a a light.
0: And I think that's the critical thing that we want to get across today, that this is another, we would say, God-given gift to us, another tool in our tool belt to continually strengthen what God has done. Because remember, Paul says that actual marriage is a symbol of the gospel itself. (laughs)